Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. And welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast with that clean new intro as well, too. So shout out to our graphic and video designers for that one as well, too. Quick, simple, and to the point is DJ joined, as always, by my co Max, uh, you've had a pretty big last couple weeks yourself, too. Yeah. No, I just uh, I just finished up my degree at The Ohio State University. So I am a college graduate, a free agent. So, you know, anyone make sure to hit my line. I'm looking for a job. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'll start with a round of applause because that's yeah, really awesome. Yeah, catch it, everyone. Round of applause for everybody listening thank as well, too, because that you. is no easy task. That is four years of misery, sometimes more. Well, too, Second, somebody awesome. hire this man now. Absolutely. Throw, throw some bags and then slip some finders bags to us as well, too. Like, they don't have to be as large, just like little baby bags for us. You give them the briefcase and the Brinks trucks, just drop us like a little bit of just a small sack of cash or something like that. Finders fee as well. So we are ecstatic to have the new college grad join us as well, too. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. We're going to talk. Some goofy NFL stuff, some NBA playoffs, a lot of hot takes there as well, too. And maybe a little special segment at the end for crunch time, a little different than what we normally do. So you all do not want to miss that. So, uh, Kelsey, what do, you, what do you say? Where where would you like to – would you lead the way? Where should we go first? Well, okay, first of all, obviously, it's been a wild weekend. And obviously, did, did anybody else see another no-hitter thrown by a rookie uh, again? I, I, th- I feel like that needs to start the program just because another rookie – comes up to the MLB and starts it off with a no hitter. Like what, what is this now? Like rookies taking over the world right now. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I don't get it. It's, it's shocking. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, the angels clap back of all clapbacks or well, well, I guess the Rays clap back on Twitter uh, saying, you know, we love watching two way players being able to come out there and show their stuff. And yes, this tweet is about Brett Phillips and the angels are like, well, I mean, maybe you guys could, you know, get a hit and like, well, you got to give us a hit. We got we got to cheer for something. Is the raise uh, Twitter back up? So Twitter beef all galore during a night, which saw a rookie with a no hitter, and that's not Shohei Otani for once for the Angels. So. Not yet. I mean, I'm sure we have we have we have a Shohei one on the horizon. I'm sure as well too. I mean, it's only a matter of time at this point. He does literally everything else. Oh yeah, yeah. So it really is a matter of time. That's look. That's just one thing that stood out to me recently. Like baseball, man. It's it's been wild. It's been unexpected. The, for everybody, I mean, the Guardians in Cincinnati. For everywhere except the city yeah. of Cincinnati. <laughs> the guardian the guardians are, are looking good the pirates are looking good max that's a place that you uh, you know heading over to pittsburgh that uh, you, you might be able to see some pittsburgh games here soon so i know see, to see them now too yeah, yeah. No, I, hey the pirates will look good the cubs have not they, they won the game today you know i'll take it but you know not looking great and you know going back to that angels game last night too yeah there was the no hitter that wasn't even the thing that stood out to me Anthony Rendon just stood there in the, the batter's box, side to bat left. He didn't even have the shin guard on the right foot and just mm-hmm. took one yard. So, you know, it, it really tells you about the levels it takes to get to the MLB level. And just this guy who's been a righty hitter his entire career, first at bat as a, a lefty hitter, takes it 400 uh, to the to right field. And, you know, that in itself was the most remarkable part of the night. And that was on a night where there were no hitter was thrown. Like it, baseball's baseball's been really interesting this year in the – that 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 was the best part of the night for sure. And they Absolutely. said the ball's dead, right? Hmm. Get out of and, here. If Anthony Rendon's hitting a left foot left-handed home run, that, the ball's not that dead. And I guess we can't get out of here without asking. We can't move on to our next first segment without saying, Max, who's your way too early World Series prediction now as well? Too you got a little this is better than a preseason once you got a little chance to see a few games. So if you had to guess who's going to the World Series and who's winning, what's your way too early guess? Way too early, uh, Dodgers, Yankees, and then the Yankees pull it out. And, you know, I hate the Yankees. I can't stand them. Uh, but they're they're hot. And Aaron Judge looks like a legitimate AL MVP candidate right now. He's got, like, 10 cranks on the year. He's batting 300. Like, he's, he's doing everything right there in the Bronx. And, you know, the Yankees look pretty good, especially since they're getting some really good pitching in, out of, uh, you know, guys like Nestor Cortez, who's – by far my favorite player in the MLB simply because of his mustache and the fact mm. that he'll still go out there and, 
you know, blow by 11 guys. So, you know, I, I, I really see that. And the Dodgers are just so deep at every position, you know, uh, how, I haven't, I haven't really paid much attention to them, but even from the beginning of the year, I still think they have a legitimate shot out of the NL. So you know, if I had to guess Dodgers, Yankees, and then the Yankees win it all. I hated yeah. pretty much everything you said about that, but I can't argue with any of it at the same time as well, too. Like, it's things, but there's not a whole lot to argue with that either. At least for me, I can't really see it. I can't really think of anything different at this point, honestly. I, I like, Shout out to Nestor Cortez for still riding the subway to, 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 to home games, by the way. Still, like, he, he is that normal looking of an athlete that he gets to ride the subway and not get called out by it. Like, he doesn't have to sign a bunch of autographs. Diehard Yankee fans still don't understand that Nestor Cortez rides the subway with him. Shocking. Hmm. They're missing out. They're, they're missing out on that one. But you know what? I think that's about as good as time as any to lead us into our first segment, also known as the tip-off. The tip-off, of course, brought to you by Dr. Squatch. Smell like a man. Feel like a champion. Click the link in our bio. Go ahead and lead yourself there as well, too. Get yourself some nice smelling soap for that special someone in your life, or if you just want to not smell like a foot yourself. And you know what, guys? It may be the off-season as well, too, but the NFL seems to keep giving as well, too. And I'm going to start off with one thing that, that's been taken over the internet by storm today. It's the first look of Tua and Tyreek together in Dolphins uniforms. They showed a nice little highlight clip of Tua throwing a bomb to Tyreek. The problem is when you look at it from the other angle, it looks like Tyreek is fielding a punt as he just kind of looks up and catches it as well to probably a good eight, eight or so yards underneath. Are we looking a little too much into this, or is this something to be a little worrisome about with Tua's lack thereof arm strength and Tyreek's still ability to run a four-flat 40? It feels like, Mask, I'm going to go, for you, go to you first. Is this something to be worrisome, or is this just kind of funny at this point? Yeah, you know, if I'm a Dolphins fan, I am freaking out right now. And, you know, yeah, you get a guy like Tyreek Hill. You've got some good moves this offseason. But the big question is going to be around Tua. It's can he be a legit quarterback in the NFL? And through his first couple of years, the answer is we don't know. But the one knock that is consistent is his arm strength, his ability to get the ball down the field. And so to try to show that off, the Miami Dolphins social media team, bless their hearts, they tried to show, you know, hey, yeah, we got the speedster now in Tyreek Hill and Tua's getting him the ball. But looking at the video, I mean, either either Tua needs some more time to be able to get the ball over the top because he doesn't really recognize just how fast Tyreek Hill is or just at this point, you know, Tyreek Hill is like, – I, I just – I would be freaking out. I think – I think Tua definitely is the big question mark, and that video definitely didn't make him look good. Yeah. no, I mean, the best edit I saw so far was on TikTok, and I don't know how many of you guys have seen uh, Not Another Teen Movie <laughs> with the quarterback scene where he throws the deep ball, comes in and throws the absolute deep ball to the kid, and the kid gets stripped and ripped in half. That's <laughs> that's the edit they that somebody used on TikTok. Is as soon as Tua let go of the ball, it fades to that entire scene. And that's exactly how it felt. It felt like watching this was just kind of a joke moment in a joke movie. And you're just like, this can't, this isn't really a hype video, is it? Like, like that's not true. I like, come on now. And and I'm, I'm kind of with Max in this a little bit where there needs to be two things. You need to either figure out that Ty- Tyreek's not running nine routes anymore uh, or – you need a new quarterback. Uh, there's two, <laughs> those are your two options right now. I don't feel like there's there's much else. We've talked about Tua for a long time. He he you know he is a slants. He's a come comeback guy. He's an, a quick out, quick ends. Like that's that's his route. So like anything ten yards and under, fantastic. Uh, the moment you start asking him to hit twenty yard dimes and hit it there on a line for a fast guy, nah, it's not going to be pretty. Um, he, he's purely timing, so it's it's going to have to be some effort to get him out get it out there and. I mean, look, he did it in the National Championship game to Devontae Smith. Everybody's going to be like, oh, well, it's, it's, it shows that it's a perfect example. Well, no, he just got lucky. Like, everybody could throw the ball 40 yards, but they also aren't throwing the ball 40 yards to a Heisman Trophy winner in Devontae Smith, a future Heisman Trophy winner. So, I mean, it's uh, – I don't know. There's a lot to look at this and unpack. But, but yeah, looking at it personally for me, I'm, I'm kind of on the same, same boat as Max here where it's it definitely doesn't feel right it, to look at that. I guess I will take the different stance here and say I'm not thrilled about it, but I'm definitely, but I'm not overly concerned considering Tua's wearing a bucket hat when this happens. And Tyreek was probably, was probably, they were probably just kind of half, half you know whating it. It looked like Tua threw that straight in the air, just, honestly, as well, too. If that is his actual deep ball, I'm going to be like, oh, well, shoot, I, th- I, I feel like this is what May. They just got Tyreek n- not even a month ago. So I'm, I'm hoping when the pads get on, we don't see that as well, too. Otherwise, uh, 
Yeah, like I said, no more nine routes. You use Tyreek and Jalen Waddle speed running laterally to run away from people and let them lead the league in yards after catch. The one nice thing about that is for Tua Slants is no one is going to stand right up on top of him. They're going to recognize that speed and back up 10 yards. So in theory, maybe that will help them out as well, too. I am curious to see how that will go. I do also kind of want to point out, too, though, Tua's backup is Teddy Bridgewater, who's not exactly known for ripping it 60 yards down the field on a line. So Tua might be okay in that regard as well. Maybe they'll just kind of work and scheme around it, especially the new offensive head coach. So maybe they I mean something. It does feel like, damn, can you imagine Justin Herbert with those two on the outside or someone like that is known for letting it rip? Can you imagine one of these five rookie quarterbacks that got drafted in the this year's draft in this team, all with bigger arms than Tua? You're especially looking at Malik Willis, aren't you? As well, so you're thinking about. I'm a thousand percent looking at Malik Willis right now, and Bailey Zappi. I'll even say Bailey Zappi as well uh, would look look a whole lot better in this offense than than Tua does. So I think Carson Strong, if his knee can somewhat be a knee again and not be whatever it is now, that would be something as well too. He can absolutely let it fly as well. But you uh, know, he, we're he only, has, he, he only has to travel like. 14. Oh, wait, no, never mind. He did sign with the Eagles. Never mind. Yeah, he's, he's yeah, got a little ways to go as well. Too. I mean, that, but that, that we were talking about quarterbacks, and we're going to transition to another quarterback who, who maybe could play for Miami. We'll see how things go up. But the Baker Mayfield saga continues in Cleveland. Still not traded. No one budging. It feels like he almost feels almost outcasted at this point. The Browns don't want him, and neither does anybody else for different reasons. And Max, I'm going to go to you first on this one yet again as well, too. Do you think we see Baker get traded anytime sooner? Or how do you see this saga playing out? What are your thoughts on this one overall? Because it seems like no matter which side of the book you fall on with Baker, uh, this thing sucks for everybody, it feels like, at this point. Yeah, you know, it's a tough one because on one hand, you've seen what Baker Mayfield can do at the NFL level. He's had some good seasons, and last year I just don't think was a good representation of what a season looks like for him because he was dealing with three or four injuries. I mean, one of his shoulders was not even in his socket the whole year, and he was expected to go out there and perform at a high level, which is hard to do at the NFL level, let alone when you're – not the biggest quarterback out there. Only about six foot, six one in cleats. Not a not a tall, big quarterback by any stretch. It's it's difficult when you're taking shots like that, and when you're when you're that size and dealing with all those injuries. So you know, I think one team out there is going to look at Baker Mayfield and say, you know, we could really shore up our backup quarterback spot, and maybe they'll take a chance on him. I really thought it was going to be the Seahawks. I, I thought I don't I don't really believe in Drew Locke that much. That being said, you know who really does um, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of wait and see. Maybe uh, I will wait and see maybe what happens with him in Seattle. He didn't really get a fair shake with the Broncos, but he hasn't really performed that well at the NFL level either. Um, I think Baker Mayfield's day, Baker Mayfield's days in Cleveland are definitely over. Um, what team will go for him? Um, I, I really, I don't know. I, I feel like every, every team's kind of short up that quarterback spot and, unless he's going for nothing or he gets released, it's it's really a matter of, of time to see who's going to pick him up. Because Baker Mayfield, if you're talking about backup quarterbacks, would be a top option. If you're talking about a starting quarterback, I think everyone's got their guy. So it's going to be a little bit of the waiting game. Maybe the Saints go down and get him. I know they got, they got Jameis. They believe in him. But I don't know. I really am not sure. One, yeah. one option I'm going to throw out there really quick. We mentioned the Dolphins. Baker Mayfield, for all of his faults, he does have a bit of a pistol on his arm as well, too. He can let it fly. He can throw it deep. He did have the longest in-air pass, I think, in 2020, is just letting it go deep. Not always accurate. Not anywhere near catchable. But with Tyreek and Jalen Waddle, you might actually they might be so wide open down the field and let it fly. It's not a terrible option if, let's say, two is stinking it up at the beginning as well, and Baker's still sitting on the ground. So just throwing it out there is maybe an option if, the, if, if, it's, if this prolongs as well, too, but... Kelsey, I'm going to go ahead and swing it over to you now. What are your What are your thoughts on this whole thing? Uh, I'm I'm I have a, I have a lot of questions about Baker's abilities right now, and I don't mean like his his capabilities as a quarterback. I just mean as his abilities as in he's a guy that, as Max mentioned, he's a shorter quarterback. He relies a lot on his motion and his his mechanics to throw a good ball. We saw last year when he was injured, his mechanics were all over the place. The ball's flying all over the place. He's shorting routes. He's throwing over the top of a short route. Uh, he's just all over the place, and that's something that mechanics-based that doesn't just disappear when your injury's gone. I mean, you, you you just train your body by being arrogant and not wanting to come out. You just train your body how to throw badly for a whole season, and you have to retrain your body how not to do that anymore. And I, it does make me worry a little bit. And I honestly still have this feeling that the that, that the Cleveland Browns are going to keep him, and whether he plays or not, but keep him just as a backup quarterback. And in case Deshaun has to sit out for 10 plus games, 
you have a built-in quarterback. Whether he plays or not, whether he decides to play or not is a whole different story. But if I'm Baker, I'm going to take my swan song. I'm going to show that I could do it, and I'm going to go out here and show that I'm healthy and what a healthy Baker Mayfield could do in this season. And I think, yeah, I've been, I've been, I've been very hard on Baker in the offseason because he very much so just needs to shut his mouth and, and right now, like, let the process play itself out, stop being dramatic about everything. But during the season, I will 100% say I supported that he, I mean, honestly, if he was just, if he just took his foot out of his mouth and just sat out, we could have been seeing a completely different Browns results last year. But really with him, him dealing with the injuries didn't help anything. And then also the organization not stepping up and being like, I don't care what you say, we're sitting you. That would have been smart too. But obviously they didn't care too much either. Um, I don't know. I, I just have a lot of questions about what he's going to be able to do because he forced himself to learn bad mechanics last year while throwing with the injuries. So we'll see. That's that's a big part of this whole process. But if I had to pick a team, I'm going to go with a sneaky dark horse out there. And I'm actually going to go Houston. I think he ends up in Houston. For some reason, Davis Mills just doesn't pan out for him, and why not? Hmm. That'd be interesting. I wonder how the, – that's kind of interesting when you put that is that – they said they didn't want him that Deshaun trade. They said, no, no, you keep him partially probably because of the salary, honestly, as well, too. But do you think maybe they swing a deal where if the Browns take like it's like 18 and a half million or whatever it is, let's say they split it down the middle? Do you think maybe that's a chance Houston takes? Like, we'll give you a seventh round pick and we split it or something like that. Do you think, you think that's something they could pull off? Or you think maybe that this down the road that's just like, screw it, why not? Honestly, I don't even think they have to trade for him. I think at some point in time, if if let's say Deshaun doesn't play, doesn't get to play a certain amount of games. And Baker then comes out and says, I don't want to play for you, Cleveland. Why does Cleveland have any reason, rhyme or reason to keep him? I don't care about, like, at that point in time, you don't care about your cap numbers. You're just like, I need the open space on my roster because of injuries. Bye. Like, it's it's going to be that simple of a cut, really. And, yeah, it's going to suck cap-wise, like the dead cap space you're going to have. But you need the space, you need the space for an injury spot. And I honestly, if, if anybody's going to pick him up, if he doesn't get traded before the season, I think the only way he gets picked up is through free agency. Like, he's going to get cut. What's interesting, too, is the Browns, they signed three quarterbacks this offseason. I mean, they've got Deshaun, Dobbs, and uh, Jacoby Brissett. They're all, all three of those combined are, I'm pretty sure, making less than Baker's right now as well, too. So cutting him at this point is not going to change your salary cap because Deshaun's not really making any money this year anyway as well, too, how they work yeah. that contract. So kind of agree with you all on that one as well, too. I mean, I... I have to quote my co-host as well too. Superhero Baker bad, gay manager Baker good. That's kind of if we could find that one and get him in the right situation where he could do that. I think he'll be I think we'll be able to see a little resurgence, if you will. I think it's when you need him to Josh Allen or Justin Herbert. If you need him to do that, you're just ish out of luck at that point as well, too. I don't think he'll ever quite give you that. But I think if you if, could just get our, in a situation where you could plug and play and be okay, Jimmy Garoppolo esque. I think that's where he could really thrive. If our new friends over at In the Clutch are watching, if they need t-shirt ideas for future quarterbacks, game manager, okay, superhero bad, and to have like a superhero getting X'd out. That's exactly what needs to go on a T-shirt for Baker Mayfield because superhero Baker is bad Baker. Super, Honestly, superhero a lot of quarterbacks is bad bad quarterbacking. Like superhero Dak sucks. Superhero Kirk Cousins sucks. Wait, there the is a superhero Kirk Cousins? I thought there was just a skittish Kirk and a less skittish Kirk. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. That's that's too. But I, I I get what you're saying. And before we get out of the the football part, is I have to ask Max as the designated Bears man of this podcast right now. The Bears draft it was very defensively heavy. Surprisingly, they did a little bit to help Justin Fields, but not nearly as much as I anticipated as well. Too. I'm kind of curious what your overall thoughts are. Granted, it's still May. They can still add players. Things could still happen. What are your thoughts on the Bears draft and moving into next season? You know, a lot of people, a lot of the the social media reaction to it was definitely the Bears failed Justin Fields. They didn't do enough to help him. They didn't get any receivers of super consequence. They didn't load up in that second round and get some guys that were available. Um, they they just and, – and what it looks like from the roster perspective, the Bears' offense kind of looks like a work in progress at best. But what I, I actually have to say that I really, really liked this approach to the draft by Ryan Poles as opposed to his predecessor, Ryan Pace. And the reason why – is because his philosophy from the get-go, he's been super honest about it, is that has been that the Bears need to create a team from top to bottom. They cannot reach for players just because their position groups in need. And he, you know, he did he hit both those things. He got a position group that was desperately in need, which was the secondary. If you watched any Bears football last year, outside of their wide receiver group, 
Their secondary was the worst thing I have ever seen in my entire life. I mean, you just, I just remember the first game against the Rams within the first possession, there was a receiver that was so open. You couldn't even see the secondary on the bottom of the screen. That that's what the bears had to work with for 17 games last year. So immediately you go out and you get two guys. We're going to start in that secondary and the bears position group. Now that secondary goes from their second worst position group to maybe their second best. And that's, that's huge in terms of building a roster. So I like that. Bellis Jones Jr. Yeah, he's 25, but he's fast. He's polished. He's got a lot of potential, at least for the next couple of years, to be a key component in this offense. And I think the way the Bears are going to use him is somewhat in that Debo Samuel type role. You can play him out of the backfield. You can play him out of the slot. You know, I, I think obviously it's going to be it's going to be to time whether this wide receiver group is enough for Justin Fields, whether he's protected enough. They drafted four offensive linemen. One of them's got a hit. So, um, you know, I, I think they, they address the, the parts that are that matter for team construction. They got the secondary down, which is important. They drafted the best players available. And if Justin Fields is the dude they think he is, he'll make plays. And I, I think some of the signings in free agency and some of the moves they've made are sneaky and, and people just don't recognize it yet. Maybe this is me just being really optimistic as a Bears fan, but I – I have to say I, I'm pretty on board with what they've done so far, and I'm not expecting the Bears to come out and be a playoff team next year, but I expect them as an overall group to take a step forward in terms of what they'll look like in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, 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 I like your point about the Law Diamond. You take four linemen on day three of the draft. One of, them's, one of them should be able to hit, right? Like That's the, that's the goal. You have a right guard spot kind of up for grabs at this point in time, it looks like, is, is kind of the way it looks. And honestly, all four of those, those guys that you drafted for the offensive line, Reports are all saying good things. They're all saying they are excelling above their their draft spot, which could be good, could be bad. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, that's that's interesting. But I do have to ask, like all these free agent receivers on the market, do you see Chicago going out and trying to get one of these big names? I mean, like you got to look at like Julio, Jarvis, Odell. I mean, any one of these guys that is out there, do you think they go out and get one? Yeah, the only one I could possibly see the Bears making a play out is Odell, and I still don't think they do. Uh, the only reason I say that is because Odell would be the cheapest option of the bunch, and he would still be kind of a project. You don't know when you'd really get him back. Um, and the reason I say that is because I think the Bears really trust in Darnell Mooney. I think they see something that a lot of the league doesn't. They see a guy who can develop into a number one receiver. His stats, if you look at them just from like a, a target share perspective and like what he was doing in the offense that was abysmal last year, was he was the guy. I mean, he was the entire offensive output from the receiver spot. And I also think the Bears think Cole Komet at tight end is going to step up and be a legit target too. So, you know, they haven't added any huge names, but I think they trust Arnold Mooney to be good. They think Byron Pringle maybe was kind of handcuffed in Kansas City and now can really become that wide receiver too that they're maybe looking at with the Bears. Um, I don't know. I think if they make a push at any name, it's going to be going back to uh, Odell. And that's just because you know what Odell can be and you could probably get him for pretty cheap. Yeah. And I also guys, Bayless Jones. I'm a big fan of Bayless Jones. I think he's, me too. he's a young guy out of Tennessee that, that I'm, I was like, please Dallas, if you're going to take a flyer on mm -hmm. somebody in the, in the third, fourth round, like, please take it here on Bayless Jones and see if you can, if you can do something with him and, the Bears did it, and, and I, I like what they're doing. Um, obviously, with Byron Pringle's legal issues, we'll have to wait and see if he's able to play very much. But that could open the door for you know Aquanima St. Brown and uh, and Bayless Jones to to step up and, and show first of all Aquanima St. Brown why he was even brought into the team, and Bayless Jones why he was drafted to begin with that high. So I, I, I like I, I you know I like what the Bears have done so far, but it's a wait and see game with these young rookie offensive linemen for me. That scares Absolutely. me. <laughs> and, and you did bring in the Packers quarterback coach as an offensive coordinator who already with mechanics that are working on ball coming out instantly as well, too. So you can maybe disguise some of those offensive line issues, at least early on as well. So we'll see how they have that build as well. And I like Darnell Mooney a lot. He has a lot of young T.Y. Hilton when you look at him. Like came in kind of as a deep threat, a run guy, but now he's starting to get a little bit cleaner with routes as well, too. And I think that can help him develop a lot. So I can see those two having a whole lot of fun. And you know, deep down in his heart, Justin Fields was hoping somehow they trade up for Chris Olave or Chris Olave would have slipped a little bit. They were hoping to recreate that magic as well, too. But that'll do it 
for our first segment known as the tip off as well too and we're gonna head to kelsey's second favorite to segment this one is known as the main event and the mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing chumba casino this year i was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true chumba casino is america's number one social casino experience it's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from you too could win life-changing amounts of cash be like mary log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a whirl that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Main event. You might notice a little something different about those. So it is now presented by In the Clutch Apparel as well. So click on our link and use code Hilo Sports. Get yourself some clutch apparel, if you will, too, Kelsey. I think that's an understatement. Yeah, yeah just well, just high low. It's just high low for for clutch. But you can just click the link and then anything you purchase, anything you put in your cart after that is still going to get the ten percent off um, as well. But no, it's it's fantastic official merchandise as well, hundred percent authentic. You can get pick it up and, dude, it's it's fantastic gear and some of the stuff on there. Uh, very big fan. If you're a Cleveland fan, baseball fan, uh, you love Stephen Kwan. It's in there. You know, if you're Shohei Otani, there's plenty of Showtime merchandise mm-hmm. merchandise in there. If you're a White Sox fan. I know Max doesn't want to hear that part of it. There's Tim mm-hmm. Anderson stuff in there. Uh, there is some Cubby stuff. They have a bunch of Fly the W flags and T-shirts and stuff like that. So. Definitely go out and check it out. They have a lot of baseball and a lot of hockey, and they're working their way into football and basketball this upcoming season. So in the Clutch Apparel, fantastic brand-new partnership with us and the, the entire Belly Up uh, network. So super happy to have them on board. So go check it out. Link is in our link tree um, as well. So super fun to be a part of that part, that team. Absolutely. And speaking of super fun, these NBA playoffs have been super interesting, is how we're going to say. We're going to say fun and interesting as well, too. And I'm going to start with the series. That looks like it's about to wrap up as well. To go to Golden State versus the Grizzlies, the Warriors up three to one, but John Morant, well, it looks like he's not playing for the whole series. Then for the rest of the playoffs, the talk is well, Jordan Poole suddenly has super gor- gorilla grip strength and is able to completely tear apart John Morant's knee by touching it. So, Mass, I'm gonna toss to you. What are your thoughts on that injury as well with the Grizzlies? Do you think I'll start first? Let me let me simple it. Do you think Jordan Poole actually injured John Morant's knee with his simple touch? No. <laughs> okay, we got that. Okay, we got that out of the way as well too. Just had to just had to make sure because a bone bruise from that would be miraculous. But what are your thoughts on that series as well too? Do you think the Warriors could be a legit championship contender right now? Yeah, I, I think it's obvious to at least a lot of the people watching the Western Conference Finals right now that the Warriors maybe look like the most dangerous team of of the ones remaining, and it, it comes from the fact that they have so much firepower everywhere offensively. I thought they played a terrible game in Game Four. I think a lot of people did too. They looked horrendous offensively, defensively. They just weren't functioning like you thought they might. Maybe that's the the fact that Mike Brown was coaching. Maybe that's the fact that, you know, just it was an off day. Who knows? You know, Mike Brown, I think, is a good coach. But without your head coach, you never know. You know, like, it, 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 I, it maybe it was just an off day. Not sure. But they still won. And I, I think what that says is they're a team that can be pushed against with their backs against the wall, and they could still come out and win a game and you know, teams like that are the ones that end up in the NBA Finals. And this Warriors team has so much experience everywhere, top to bottom. You know, I thought the Grizzlies would maybe come out a little stronger, but without John Morant, you know, series probably done in five, maybe six, if they get a really good performance out of someone like Desmond Bain or maybe Kyle Anderson. I don't know. But, um, yeah, you know, the Warriors with that, with that, with Draymond at the five, they look, they look really scary offensively. They look like, they could really pose a threat to a team like the Suns or the Mavs, whoever they see in that next round. And um, I, I, I see them coming out of the West for sure. I think they could, I think they face the Suns. They beat them in six. If they face the Mavs. They beat them in five. Um, I, I just think the way they're playing right now, Steph Curry, I feel like hasn't even warmed up. I think he hasn't even hit his stride yet. And once he does, it's, it's game over. Absolutely. We yeah. haven't seen Clay Jackie Moon Thompson get loose either now as well, too. He hasn't quite had that vintage Clay performance yet, so it's only a matter of time. So, Kelsey, I'm going to go to you now. Same question, uh, Jordan Poole. Do you think he has the superhuman strength to completely destroy John Moran's knee by touching it, or am I just out of, am I completely out of line for joking about this? I'm pretty sure if you gave him a grip strength meter, he wouldn't even register higher than a seven-year-old child. Uh, I mean, well, like, let's okay. – like, I thought I was out of line. Jordan Poole is a three-point shooter. He barely cups the ball when he goes to lay it up. He actually has to caress it and, like, as they say nowadays, put some jelly on it. I mean, like, he's he's got a he, he's it's very interesting when you watch him play. He can't act. He never actually cups the ball in his hand. So if he can't even cup a ball, how is he going to rip a dude's knee apart? 
I can, I'm just, just start with that. Like that's just one and one does not make two uh, in this situation. Maybe look back to the play where he literally runs into Clay Thompson's knee when he took a terrible route. But which, by the way, as he plants into the ground to jump, you already see his body brace like it already felt something weird there. And then he lands, and you see him definitely caressing that knee afterwards. And then, the, you know, a couple of plays later, that Jordan Poole thing happens. And as a guy who's experienced plenty of knee injuries, it's not necessarily the play that it happens on that actually injured you. It is something that can be built, and that's just the final little nick in the in the armor, right? You know, like you, you build up a, enough tears in there that it, it just finally gives up. And it sucks that John rants out, but – I'm not going to put it on Jordan Poole. I'm not going to try to get a guy suspended because of this. Like, that's just, that's just crazy. Crazy talk. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so you kind of alluded to it. Uh, they knew it was a bone bruise. They knew about this before his release, and it was still kind of a, do you, what, how do you feel about them kind of pushing the narrative there that Jordan Poole did, almost like they're trying to get him suspended when, every, I think it was, they pretty much knew ahead of time it was a bone bruise, and that was not the play as well. Oh, it's, it's classless. Uh, look, I, I've, I have long since been a supporter of Grindhouse. But that was the most classless act you could possibly do from a front office, is to try to get a dude suspended for something that it is very obvious he cannot cause. I don't know if anybody's tried to put a bruise into a chicken bone before, but it takes a whole lot of pressure. And your, bo- and your human bone is full of a lot more calcium. You can't just put a bruise on your bone by grabbing it. This just doesn't happen that way. You have to cause a collision with a lot of force. I mean, that's just uh, this. It it was it was classless Bush League. If you're you know a baseball fan, you understand that 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 saying. But this is yeah, that was. I have a lot to say about that. That and I'm just gonna leave it at classless because that was just that was that was an incredibly poor decision by their front office to try to play it off that way. Like I get it, you're mad, you lost John Morant, and probably what is your best chance to get to the the NBA Finals, but. Don't do that. Don't try to get a guy. Don't try to ruin a guy's career and to his playoff run himself because of your pettiness. I will say there's a better chance of him bruising his knee while they are grittying on the Minnesota Timberwolves logo. And he is smacking his knees probably more than that play with Jordan Poole at that point as well, too. So I think that's how I look at that one as well. But when I look at that other Western Western semifinal, we got the Mavericks taking on the Suns tied up, or excuse me, three to two. The Suns are up, but. A weird head-to-head battle with Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. A little bit of rivalry there going on as well, too, with Devin. A few choice words for Luka and Luka flying all over the place, all every single play as well, too. Uh, I want to go right back to you on this one, Kelsey, because these are these are the type of matchups you t- you tend to like to have a have a say in on this one. So, what are your thoughts on I, the whole Devin Booker Luka turning into a mini rivalry thing now? Well, you're also forgetting Devin Booker, Luka, and the referees in this rivalry because this has possibly been the worst refereed series. So far, I mean, there's been I, I, I can count 10 fouls in the last two games that weren't fouls, period. I can count two technicals that weren't technicals that were called on either team. I mean, that it's just it's it's been crazy to watch. But then when you actually get down to the play of the game between Luca and, and Devin Booker, I have never been more excited to, for the for the young talent in the league. I love John Morant. Obviously, we just talked about him. Him coupled with these two guys coming up next. We've and, and we've talked about Devin Booker for a long time. Devin Booker shooting mid-range is fantastic. Luka Doncic shooting mid-range is fantastic to watch. Also watching Luka use his big body to bully people is fantastic. And watching Devin Booker take a two guard and bully him down low or take a three and bully him down low is fantastic to watch too. And then God forbid if he gets matched up on a smaller point guard, Jalen Brunson, which by the way is a very fun matchup. But if you you guys haven't watched Jalen Brunson and Devin Booker go back and forth so far, that's a fun matchup too in, in and of itself because they're going at each other. Jalen Brunson is a very stocky small guy, but it's a fun matchup to watch. And that's probably the only guy he hasn't been able to back down is Jalen Brunson at this point in time. Uh, but honestly, Booker versus Luka is fantastic to watch. Chris Paul, Jalen Brunson playing, you know, kind of the Robins in this in this series. DeAndre Ayton is kind of just sitting out there with Michael Bridges, just like, hey, guys, we're here. Like, I need something from both of those guys if, if the Suns are going to pull this out. But I, this has been a fun series, really. I mean – this is going to be one I think we're going to look at. And like, it's going to be because of one of these guys that the other guy doesn't get more more chances at a ring. I feel like this is going to be the long term situation we're looking at. I will say when I look at it, the one thing that stands out to me is for Devin Booker. If he has a great night, like twenty eight points, it's never a comp- There's always like DeAndre Aiden with fifteen, Chris Paul with like 12, eighteen and ten, something like that as well. Too, it's very really him. In the last game, Luca scored twenty eight, Jalen Brunson had twenty, but two other guys in the starting lineup gave you goose eggs. 
And then the other guy other than that gave you single digits as well, too. Like, that's just – that is not going to fly. So it feels like they are fighting completely unarmed as well, too. Is right. That's just kind of how I look at it as well, too. It feels it, like there's It doesn't one... help Tim. Tim is also out, too, Tim Hardaway Jr. So that doesn't help anything for the for the, for the the Mavs. Like, if they could honestly have had one guy back, that's probably the one guy they're like, please come back healthy just so you can have a three-point shooter with these two. Like, that would be fantastic. Absolutely. I'm going to toss this one to you, Max, as well, too. What do you think of when you look at that rivalry? Do you think that could be, like, the next great rivalry? And what do you think about this series as well, too? And Devin Booker and Luka having their little back and forth, if you will. And, of course, the officials getting involved every time is needed. Yeah, you know, I sure hope so. I hope it's a rivalry. I love it. I love I love the action between the two teams. And, you know, I, I have been high on the Mavericks all season. Um, I actually went to high school with Jalen Brunson. So I've been watching him play since you know, forever. And it's just always been a thing. He's always been a six, one, six, two guard who will just back down guys who are four or five inches taller than him. And will just get his buckets, get his points. And I think on the Mavericks and for the first couple of years of his career, he's really been put into this role where he's kind of been like a, a pass first type of point guard, try to get everyone and distribute the ball. And now the Mavericks have really needed him to step up as a scorer. And he's shown in this playoffs, he can absolutely do it at this level too. And it's as a fan of Jalen Brunson for now, However many years, it's just been so cool to see, uh, just so awesome. And, you know, I love the back and forth, too, between Luka Doncic and Devin Booker. I've been I've been in on Devin Booker for the last couple of years, really since the bubble, that he's a developing superstar right before our eyes. And I think last year he showed he can do it, but he couldn't get the title, couldn't get the ring. This year, maybe he's got that vengeance that he can. And he's, he's come out, you know, despite his injury and has played fantastic in the series and Luka Doncic, he just needs one more guy. If he gets one more guy there, I, I, the Mavs can legitimately start to run that West because he's only 22, 23 years old, right? Like he, yeah. he gets that one more star that you can pair alongside him. The Mavs are scary, but without it, I mean, it's it's Luka Doncic's show, and he's dragging his team as far as he can. I, I, I would love for this series to go seven. That would be exciting to see. Dallas has a phenomenal home court advantage, so it'll be really interesting to see how that game's – that game six plays out, but I have I have loved every minute of the series. I think the fact the refer the refereeing has been bad has actually added another component to the series has made it even more exciting. Um, I, I the sideline getting fined twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah, you know they're, they're just kind of make. I feel like they're kind of making stuff up on the fly, but it's almost like the <laughs> league stepping in and just saying, you know, we need this series to be exciting, so they just are. Um, and we're we're seeing it happen, and I'm. I'm liking it. I really am. I, I this is that it's been my favorite series to watch so far of the bunch. That one and you know Boston, Milwaukee, but in the West, this has been my favorite of the two. Absolutely. I was like DJ. Speaking of Boston, Milwaukee, real fast, you want to talk about it? Right now, it's getting real tight. I'm saving that one for the end as well. So I'm letting this okay. one finish right. out. But it's a one point seconds. seconds to go. Like we're keeping an eye on that one. We're waiting. But before I move on to the next series. Both of you guys, quick question. Devin Booker, Luka Doncic, you're starting your team. You don't know who the other guys are going to be, who you taking. Max, I'll let you go first. Luka Doncic, 100%. And it's because he can do so many things with the basketball. He gets his defense down, and he is the most well – he's one of, if not the most well-rounded player in the league. He just can do everything at such a high level. He makes everyone around him better. He gets in these hot streaks where he's so unstoppable. You just haven't seen something like it. And, oh, yeah, he's 22 years old. He's my age, you know, and that that's terrifying. That's insane. And he's been dominating every league of basketball he's been in since he was like 16 years old. He was the EuroLeague MVP as a teenager. Like, and, and now you're seeing at the NBA level every single year, he still takes a step forward. Like if this is how good he is right now, what's he going to be when he's 26, 27? And, and that part excites me. I, I think legitimately he can average a triple double a game next year and the Mavs can be a serious contender in the West. And that's just how good I know he can become. Once he gets that free throw shooting down and once he starts to play a little bit better defense, Luka Doncic is, could be putting himself on the map as a top three player in the league and not three. Honestly, yeah. too, I agree with you. The one his defense doesn't even have to be good; it just can't be a revolving door, and he has to stay on his own two feet on defense. He can't hit the deck and complain every single time. Just a little bit, just a little bit of that. And on top of that, the cool part you mentioned: by the time he's 26, 27, 28, his game is is presented on absolutely zero athleticism required. So he is going to get better as he gets older as well. So he doesn't have to worry about like an injury ruining him, if you will, as well too. So I I like that pick, Kelsey. I, I have a feeling you're thinking something similar, but I wouldn't rule it out for you to go with Luca Doncic with uh, with Devin Booker either. I, I you know I was trying to make an argument in my head for this one. I I can't like just 
Look, I love a guy who doesn't show athleticism in his game and can dominate a league. Like I love James Harden when he first came in the league because James Harden played old man ball. Old man ball was fantastic. Tim Duncan, love Tim Duncan. Old man ball. Zach Randolph didn't play over a phone book. Love it to death. Nikola Jokic, same thing. So Luka is just another line in these guys that just don't play over a phone book, and he is so exciting to watch while still not playing over a phone book. And it is fantastic. Um, I, I think the biggest thing I look at at 23, can I get less to Marcus Cousins from you? I like I don't need the arm-flopping expressions after the plays. And, yeah, th- this is the thing that's always gotten to Marcus. It's not the words he says. It's the arm-flopping and close to the referee. It has always been the thing that got to Marcus Cousins' tease. It's the same thing that gets Luca teased, and it doesn't help that Luca's cheeks turn red when he gets mad. Hmm. So then he's in their face, and he's just like he gets that that red face, and it looks like he's super angry, and he's really just like he's tired. It's, it's the same thing we all get. Like we, we've been running inside of a cold dome, and it's like our cheeks get red. Then you get mad, and it's like okay, yeah, but I'm not that angry. But unfortunately for him, he gets called the te- he gets all these technicals. That's the only downside to taking Luca is you got to take the technicals with it. Um, Devin Booker's gotten that out of his game, but. Yeah, I mean, I'd I have to go Luka as well. But can we just talk about these three superstars here? Luka, Devin Booker, Giannis as well on the east side. 27, 24, and 23 years old. Or sorry, 27, 25, and 23 years old. I, I mean, the, the, talk about the next generation rolling through, and we're going to be just watching these three go at it at some point in time in their playoff games uh, over and over again. It's going to be fun to watch. Absolutely, and there's a Jason Tatum in there as well too. Which now that that yeah. game has ended, I'm going to go ahead and pivot over to that game because this has been my favorite series of the whole playoffs. Is the Bucks and the Celtics just wrapped up in clutch time? Drew Holiday, a three in the final minutes, blocking Marcus Marcus Smart, not only blocking but palming it, and then the steal as the clock is winding down as well too. So the Bucks stealing Game Five as the Celtics were in control, top to bottom, an absolutely sensational performance down the stretch. Giannis with another forty piece double double as well too, and actually an efficient one. I think it was sixteen of twenty seven. Something like that. It's been a rough series for him. It's been a rough series for Drew Holiday, but they both got it done down the stretch. Max, I'll go to you first. Is this the best series in the playoffs so far? And do you think winning game five cements it for the Bucks coming out of this series? I'll answer that in two pieces. So, yes, it's by far the best series in the playoffs. It's not close. There's no series that compares the the excitement of the games, the closeness of the games, the, the sheer talent you're seeing displayed on the court every single game. And it's just been incredible to watch. I also don't think that the Bucks winning game five cements the series for him by any stretch. And, you know, there's there's a lot of reasons for that. The Bucks not having Chris Middleton has not stopped them. They've still been very successful, but it's definitely hurt them. And you can see it in a lot of moments that not having a guy like Chris Middleton to carry the scoring, especially when Giannis is not in the basketball game, is hurting them. And I think if they had Chris Middleton, the series is closed in five. I do. And um you know, without him, who knows what game six looks like. The, the Bucks were able to steal this game because Giannis is the best player in the world, and there's no question about it. And no. because he showed up the way he did, because Drew Holiday is a legit top 30 player in the league, you have the talent to be able to take down a team like the Celtics, and that that's great. But you get to game six, it's a, it's a whole new game. It's 0-0, and who knows what's going to happen. The, the, the Bucks are running on fumes now. They're only running an eight-man rotation. Giannis is playing – 40 to 42 minutes after playing maybe 30 a game over the course of a full regular season. Like he, he, maybe that says he's healthy. Maybe that says he's not in shape enough to do this consistently. We'll really wait to see. I think it's going to go seven. I, I think the Celtics are going to steal that game six in Milwaukee. And I think the series is going to go seven. I think it's almost destiny just with how good this series has been, that the series goes all the way to a game seven. Uh, I, I really didn't think the bucks were going to pull it out. I, I, they were down like 11 when I switched on to go here last time I checked. And I don't know how they pulled that one out, uh, but it's, it's remarkable what Giannis is doing and he's proving every game that he's still the best player in the world. And he, he took that title from Durant last year and he hasn't given it back. And it's the series like this that shows it. If anything, he put a bigger strangle on it as well too and separate himself from everybody else. So like Kelsey, I know we've watched a few of these games and you've had a few words looking at this one as well too. It's like just the just some of the way the games the games have played out as well too. Celtic Bucks, do you think the winner of this one? Do you think the Bucks winning this one means they're they're good to head to the Eastern Conference Finals? And on the same token, what do you think about the Celtics and how they how far they've come as well? Because at the start of the year, they were an absolute trash can at this point. They were like the ninth seed at best, and now they've climbed themselves this far out. Okay, well, I, again, this one I, I'm kind of I have to answer this in parts as well because 
I think a big part of this series is Robert Williams not being in the last two games. That like him not being able to play. And we talked about this last playoffs. We said give him time. He's a PER monster. Well, you look at it this season. It doesn't even it, ignore PER and just watch the play on the court, especially when they play the Bucks. He gives Giannis such a fit with his athleticism. And then you'd couple in doubling that with Al Horford sliding onto him occasionally with Marcus Smart's just annoyance occasionally coming and guarding Giannis. That triple-headed defensive monster against Giannis plays a lot of havoc on his mindset because Giannis can't just dive at the basket every time because he has to address who's in front of him first. If it's Al Horford, he has to watch out for getting called for a uh, um, charge because Al Horford, honestly, one of the best big men to be to, to deal with that. And then with Robert Williams, you can't just dive at the basket because the dude will jump over the top of you and, and block you every time. And then if it's Marcus Smart, well, yeah, you could try to back him down, but he's probably going to steal the ball from you as soon as you try to back him down. So um, it's a it's a, it's a huge aspect to, to play that when Robert Williams is there, he only has to deal with two of them, and it's really Al Horford that he has to deal with in the first half of the game. And then after that, it's just they're just trying to throw buys at him. They threw uh, Devin or um, White at him tonight, and that didn't work at all. They threw three at Theus at him for a little bit. That didn't work at all. I mean, it's just that plays a huge aspect into it more so, I think, than the Middleton injury is Robert Williams not being there for the Celtics. Um, I do think this does mean if he doesn't come back, they will wrap up in the game six. But it dep- it's more dependent on the Robert Williams thing. And uh, that's that's the biggest part for me is I just like – I look at Robert Williams. I, I, I mean, yeah, he's an Alabama guy, but you know what? Forget that right now. He's so fun to watch play basketball. And, and it's it's not even because he's a superstar. It's because he does things that are just like he 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 changes a box score without actually adding a stat to a stat line, and that's something that you can't just do normally. That takes an extra level of athleticism. That's fun to watch. I will say too, they did say he looks like he will be playing Game Six. They said they, this game was more of a precaution because he wasn't one hundred percent. So it sounds like he's coming back for Game Six, and I do I agree. I think it's going seven. I think the Bucks are going to find a way to pull it out because weirdly enough, the road teams have had the most success in these in this series. It makes no sense as well too. It's the exact opposite of what you think. But I do think Jason Tatum, he's in that conversation with Luka, Devin Booker as emerging superstar, multiple-time first-team All-NBA on the horizon as well, too, especially with how he's added defense to his game as well. So he just has to take some smarter shots because sometimes he gets a little little trigger-happy and looks like young mellow and starts just firing at a high pace. Thank you, because I was about to say, I need less young mellow, and I need like more playmaking out of Jason Tatum sometimes because I, I like he, 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 gets so, he gets so hoodie mellow sometimes in his mindset. I like when he steps in off that pick and pulls it from the elbow. I don't like when he just immediately like jab step, jab step, pulls a three. I mean, he was like two of 10 from three or something like that at one point today, or two of seven, something like that as well too. Like, so if he just steps in and starts working the mid range a little bit, I think he'll be, I think he'll be just fine. But Woody's show has been fantastic. And the last one, the Sixers taking on the heat. It looked like Joel Embiid was in to save the day after the heat were up two, two, then it became two or they were up two, no, then it became two, two. And we actually saw James Harden resurrect his career for a short amount of time, but the heat absolutely blew the brakes off him in game five. And, I don't know about you all, but I feel like that. I feel like this is Miami series to lose in Game Six, even if they don't lose it. I have a tough time seeing the Sixers taking two of them, taking two of them in a row again, which is weird to say when they just did that. But the way that he shot the absolute lights out in Game Five, and how the Sixers are, they're very, very, very dependent on Joel Embiid being arguably the best, second or third best player in the world to to have any success. Even James Harden cannot thrive unless Joel Embiid is thriving as well too. So, Max, I'll toss to you. What are your thoughts on this series? And do you think Miami kind of established themselves as maybe the threat coming out of the East with what they've been able to do against the 76ers in those wins. Yeah. Um, this, this series has been anything but impressive to me, which is like pretty harsh, uh, but I've just been watching it. And I thought this would be the most exciting of the four matchups that we were going to see, because I thought the heat were so well balanced and that'd be really exciting to see against Joel Embiid, who I thought, you know, could have potentially won the MVP award. Definitely was number two. Um, you know, I thought Joel Embiid, one of the best players in basketball, he'd match up really well against a Bam out of bio and it'd be a cool series to see. And yeah, it's three, two, but I mean, the heat should have won this in five. They should have, they, they, they should have definitely won one of those games they lost. And if James, if, if not for James Harden, remembering that he's James Harden, they would have. And James Harden, I, I think since about the bubble has been one of the most overrated players in all of basketball. We know what he can do. We know how talented he's been, but he is deeply on the decline. He has lost not just a step. He's lost maybe two. His jump shot's not there anymore. He can't blow by players as much anymore. We saw it in game four, but it's that might be all we get to see out of him. He, he's The team 
traded so much to make it so reliant on James Harden, and he's just not the guy they traded for or the guy they thought they might be trading for. Joel Embiid's phenomenal talent. His hands, he has a, a hurt thumb on his shooting hand. He might still be concussed. I don't even know. He just doesn't look right since he's come back entirely. And the Heat are so well balanced, so many shooters everywhere. Uh, I, I think they'll close down in six pretty easily. I just thought the series would be really exciting and close and the games would be great. And I just don't think we've gotten that. It's been a lot of blowouts. And I I, I don't know. I, I've been a little disappointed in it. But I, I think as far as the Heat coming out of the East, I think a series between the Heat and the Bucks does not bode well for the Heat. I think the Celtics pull out, pull out the series, though. The Heat could definitely beat the Celtics in like six. So – you know, I, I think that's the I think if the Heat face the Celtics, they can get out of the East. I don't think they get it past the Bucks, though. No, that's interesting. My preseason prediction was the Heat, and when we did ours a couple weeks ago, I think it's going to be the Heat and the Warriors. I'm sticking with it, but I would say as far as that prediction coming through, I think it's a lot harder with the Bucks, especially if Middleton works his way back in the back half of that series as well, too. Especially Bam out of bio is nice, but he's gonna. I think he's going to have a little bit of trouble with this Giannis as well as Brooke Lopez and all of those guys as well, too, as opposed to two years ago when they virtually when they gentlemen swept him a couple of years back as well. So I don't think that's happening this time, considering last year the Bucks beat the absolute breaks off of them in the first round, I think. So I will, I'm definitely curious to see who comes out of that one as well, too. Kelsey, I'll toss it to you as well, too. Uh, you haven't had no shortage of words for James Harden, especially considering he does not look like James Harden whatsoever right now. It looks like he is still stuck in one of the strip clubs and has not fully came out yet as well. So my thought to you is, do you think there's any chance he kind of revives himself for one more game in this series, or is this one virtually a wrap? Look, man, there's nothing hard about James Harden anymore. Uh, it's 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 pretty well figured himself out. Um, he, he's calling Jamison Harden while you're at it. He's stuck himself in a strip club in a bar in a bottle. He doesn't look like a basketball player right now. He looks like a guy who just shows up at the Y, just trying to to keep himself alive and and burn off a few extra pounds. Like that's what it looks like. I, it, honestly, outside of Game Four, you can you can scrap everything else you've seen, and you're just kind of like, wow, I'm on Booby Parker. Like this is. This is Booby Parker all over again, and just the fact that he showed flashes and like, but then you're just like, what? What, what am I getting the rest of the time? A guy that's just gonna sit out there on the edge, throw a couple passes, forget that they changed the rule about contact, and still try to get contact even though it doesn't work anymore. Like, I, doesn't play defense still. I mean, again, I just talked about it earlier. I loved James Harden when he came out. This James Harden is abysmal to watch. Like, it is. So rough. Uh, Max, I don't think your words might have been harsh enough about this series just because it's James Harden's fault that this series sucks. This series should not be bad. Victor Oladipo coming back, should it should make for a great matchup. Tyrese Maxey is playing out of his mind, and it's still not enough because you don't have James Harden even being remotely close to James Harden outside of one game. And it's just – it sucks to watch. It's It's always sad to watch a basketball player just kind of forget themselves – Look at Antoine Walker back in the day when he just lost himself from who he was with the Celtics to what the shadow of himself he became with the Heat, where basically he was a he was a bit player in that NBA Finals run. I mean, like it's it's always sad to watch that happen, and and we're watching it in front of our eyes with James Harden, and I think people need to realize that this guy is not who he used to be, and he's not that he's not the guy that's about to be getting paid in the offseason, even though he doesn't deserve it. Like he he does not deserve whatever he gets paid. Unless it's the veterans minimum, is going to be too much. Period. Absolutely. And I kind of alluded to it. I have I have the Heat and the Warriors going in the finals. I'm going to give it to the Heat and six. Kelsey, I'm going to toss you. What's your what's what's your prediction right now? Looking at looking at things right now, how things are playing out. I'm still going to say Buck Bucks uh, Suns, and I think I'm going to take the Suns in, in seven on that one. The redemption fat. The redemption. I, I like it as well too. Max, I'll toss this to you. Who how do you see the who do you think is going to the finals, and how do you see it playing out? I got uh, Bucks Warriors and then Bucks and Six. I, I've been that was my prediction before the the series started, um, or before the playoffs started. Got to stick with it, and you know I have not. I'm not the biggest Bucks fan in the world. I'm not still thrilled that they they beat my Bulls. Hmm. I knew it was going to happen. That doesn't make me happy about it. Uh, but I know how good they are. I know I just trust in Giannis being Giannis to get it done. And I just don't think the Warriors have an answer for a guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo. You know, you can put Draymond on him. I still think Giannis is going to get his 40 and 15, mm-hmm. and it will be like they'll still find ways to win. The Warriors are the only team I think that can even pose a problem really to the Bucs moving forward. I think that like if they win, I think they'll beat the Celtics in seven. I think they beat a team like the Heat in five or six. 
Like I, I just, the Warriors are the only threat really they may have. I think it makes for an exciting series. And I honestly, as much as I'd love to see a rematch of last year's finals, I don't think we're going to get it just because of how good the Warriors have been playing. Yeah, that'd be interesting as well. I'm curious how they match up with DeAndre Ayton if when we assume they will meet in the Western Conference Finals. In theory, DeAndre Ayton should eat. But it seems like the situation we expect him to eat is when he eats the least. It, it makes no sense with him as well. So he'll give you 20 and 15 on a team that you think he shouldn't do well against. Then he'll give you like 10 and 10 against the, against someone like a Draymond or a smaller four that you expect him to absolutely dominate. So I am really curious to see how that matchup plays up as well too. But that is going to do it for the main event, and that's going to take us to Kelsey's actual favorite part of every single show, and that is Crunch Time, brought to you by Swift Lifestyles as well too. Code High Low Sports, get your, get yourself a little bit of discount as well too. And Kelsey, yeah, we're gonna do something a little bit different for Crunch Time as well too. It's not only it's gonna be a little bit, it's gonna get a little steamy, I guess is how we're gonna word it as well. The seats are gonna get a little warm. Yeah, look, okay, so this is this is Max kind of send off, right? Like he is he has been he is the first, and he will be the only the guy that we'll ever have in the high-low sports history. Uh, you've been a great intern for us this year, but we want to send you off with a little bit of a hot seat moment for you. We're going to ask you five questions. We're going to give you five questions. We were going to do ten, but given the time, we'll do five questions. So, Max, we're going to start it off. DJ, I'm going to let you take, take the reins on this one. Uh, there are going to be a variety of questions. Some will be sports-related. Some will be live. We're just going to throw them at you as well, too. Very first one as well, too. Who, do you think Justin Fields is the guy for the Bears? And if you could trade him for any of the other quarterbacks in that class, who would you, would you trade him? Uh, I think he's the guy. There's no one I'd trade ahead of him. I think he was my quarterback one coming out. I still think he'd be the quarterback one from that class. If it was like life or death and I had to choose one, though, it would be Trevor Lawrence just because his upside's higher than any of the other quarterbacks outside of Justin Fields. But I believe in him. He's only 22. He's got so much time to really figure himself out. It took – a guy like Josh Allen, three years to figure it out in the league. I think Justin Fields, you could see year three, maybe he really hits his stride. Okay. I like it. I like it. Good. All right. You have to choose one. You have to choose one. You can't choose other or, or none. All right. Michigan, Michigan State, you have to spend one year on their campus and be a fan of all their sports teams. Which one are you choosing? Michigan State, don't even think twice about it. <laughs> Good choice. All right, so you're starting a you're starting a team. You have to pick one of these two as your head coach. You can't work your way around it as well, too. Jim Harbaugh, Jawan Howard. Uh Jim Harbaugh, and I would I wouldn't like it, but the reason I say it is because he was once the quarterback of a team I root for in the Chicago Bears. He's also had success at his sport in a you know a pretty significant way, and I'm just not a big Jawan Howard fan. So you know. I'm, so I'll, I guess Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Okay. Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> reluctance at its finest. <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually probably the biggest reluctance I've heard. All right. One person to speak at your funeral from the Bears. One last time they get to let you down. Who is who is going to be the man that speaks at your funeral? Dick Buckus. I think he's hilarious. His his Twitter presence is phenomenal. Um, he represents everything it means to be a Chicago Bear. And if there's anyone from the Bears I'd want to speak at my funeral, it's him. You know, that's, that's a good one as well, too. And you know he'd bring a little bit of steam with it as well, too. He'd be probably the loudest guy there by far as well, too. So, end of the – his career finally ends. He has an opportunity to become the, the offensive coordinator or quarterback's coach. Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre? Which one are you taking as the quarterback coach for the Bears? Um, whew. I'd say Aaron Rodgers. I, I, um, I think between the two guys, Aaron Rod, well, Brett Favre, you could say, has had maybe some higher peaks. Aaron Rodgers, you could – you, it's almost unarguable that he's one of the best, you know, sheer talents of the quarterback position ever. You know, he's obviously one of the biggest playoff choke artists we've ever seen. But that being said, if I want someone to teach someone how to play quarterback position in the purest form, in the best form, if you kind of want someone like Aaron Rodgers to do it. Can't stand the guy, can't stand the Green Bay Packers, but can't deny the talent. Oh, fair enough. Okay, so I can't let you off with just five questions because it wouldn't be high-low sports if I don't break the rules at least once. That's I got to ask you one six, one more sixth question, and this is going to be it. Dream job coming forward. You, you, you're about to move move off into the world, the real world. You, you, you're looking for a job. What's that dream job? Who's it, who, who's it going to be? Yeah, um, my, my dream job for the last couple of years, and I'm going to be continuing to try to get there and do the best part I can to get to this place, is to become a professional sports broadcaster. 
I've been doing a lot of broadcasting work um, at a, when I was a student at Ohio State, which that still feels weird to say when. Um, <laughs> uh, and I've loved every minute of it. I, I got to do a lot more work now with Big Ten with the Big Ten Network Plus as my senior year closed on, and uh, I I've always loved doing it, and I've really found a knack for it. I think, and if I had a dream job, it would be it would to be uh, a professional sports broadcaster for a national broadcast chain, and that takes decades of work to get there, but that's that's the dream. That would be that would be it. That would be phenomenal. Absolutely, man. You know what the work ethic you show is when you're working with us as well, too. We have no doubt that you had the work ethic to get there as well, too. And before we let you out of here, we have to do it one last time. You have a podcast of your own. Tell everybody where to find you for the for the final swan song. Make sure that they know to check you out. Yeah, so I do a podcast called The Two Man Game. Uh, we talk about Bulls basketball. Bull season's over. That means we talk about the off season for the Chicago Bulls. What kind of moves they're going to make? How they can improve upon a good year, but a year that definitely ended pretty disappointing. What kind of moves can they make? Is Lonzo Ball the answer that they're going to be at the point guard position? Are they going to keep Zach Levine, or are they going to let him go in free agency and come with come up with some creative answers to, pre- to recreate his production? Is Billy Donovan the guy to be the head coach of the Chicago Bulls? Those are all questions we ask at the two man game. Feel free to check us out at the two man game on Twitter. Awesome, and be sure to check out Max. You guys can follow him on Twitter at Maxwell Cone M A X W E L L. C-O-H-N on Twitter. And I just, I honestly don't know how I spaced out on Maxwell and not the second half of the, mm-hmm. not your last name, but I did. But guys, Max, it's been absolutely fantastic working with you, man. We appreciate you coming on one last time. And for everybody else out there, we appreciate you guys tuning in as always. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.